It's uh, one of those sad days. We're barely into 2021, and we already have to break this one out. Yep. We just keep taking owls. Yep. One of the greatest metal guitarists in the world, Alexei Laiho, Finland, who uh, you may have heard from Children of Bodom and any number of other like absolutely brilliant productions, has just passed. Fuck. Fuck. I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss Jordan <laughs> Or at least his work. You know? This yeah. really fucking sucks. His work will live on. <sighs> Speaking of taking L's. Mm, someone who should be taking an L. Yeah. A certain. Why do we have him and not. Our friend from children from from children about him. <laughs> we are speaking, of course, of Paul Krugman, who really, really, really should have shut his mouth a long time ago. Who has probably not contributed anything of value to the field of economics since a bunch of libs went, wow, this guy says income inequality might be a bad thing if it gets too serious. While yeah. spending most of his career, like, shaking the pom-poms for uh, giving globalization a massive shot of steroids and defending free trade. And also, has to be said... Generally being a real asshole about it. Yeah. It's like, like, for all the shit lips care about civility and all that, Paul Krugman was a dick. And has been for a while. Well, I mean, decorum. You know. You know that emoji. Decorum is like... They don't care about civility they care about decorum they care about it being said in you know a very sophisticated tone so you know calling people's very legitimate concerns about things like mobility of capital versus the immobility of labor in our neoliberal hellhole (laughs) silly misguided misinformed ignorant you know, things that if we dropped that on our Twitter feed with any of the shit libs, they'd be going, Ad hominem! Ad hominem! Yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these fucking people, they only care about decorum. I mean, they don't even care about being, about civility, about being nice. Never, never expect that these people are expected to be nice. No. They're expected to be decorous. They're expected to use fancy words so that you don't get the full effect of them shitting on you. 
<sighs> so what is it that brings this asshole to our attention now when, you know, I mean, let's be fair, like dragging on Paul Krugman being a prick and a bit of a dumbass on Twitter is like, is it a day that ends in Y? Yes. <laughs> but this time he managed to really go the limit with a tweet on December 29th. So yeah, we have to drag something out of 2020 already. Sorry. Which says as follows, quote, The proposal for dollar 2000 stimulus checks is divisive and not along simple left-right lines. Lots of disagreement among progressives, with people like Bernie Sanders very pro, but many others not on board. Both sides have a point. Hey, Paul, <sighs> who are those many others? Mm-hmm. Wh- which many others are those, other than you and your fucking drinking buddies down at Tammany Hall? Yeah, I mean, his... Who are they? <laughs> Name them, I mean, you his... fucking coward! Yes! Like, his fucking argument is that, well... Unemployment insurance is good enough for you, no, for you pigs. Why don't why don't you just take that? And it's like, have you ever been unemployed in your own fucking life? Would it matter? <laughs> I'm fairly sure he's never even seen a food stamps application before. Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, even though he was around for when they were, like, actual fucking stamps. Like, this, this guy, this guy was probably born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and if not that, you know, at least a very comfortable existence. And, And nothing that seems to have happened to him has changed that, which is where he gets these asinine ideas. Like, and what really gets me with this is just sort of speaking for a lot of the broke-ass graduate students and adjuncts in the world, he got on the academic train when tenure and a lifetime of job security was a thing. Yeah. He certainly is not going to be one of those people whose names are going to come up in all these universities that are firing tenured faculty. Of course not. Yeah, I mean, if um, he somehow got terminated, um, you know, a billionaire schools would want his ass because he's Paul Krugman and he says what the elites want to hear, which is that you should die in a ditch. And what just really gets me with his use of divisive is this is just like peak shit lib. Yes. Force fuckery this is well we'll just call it divisive and we don't have to discuss it anymore it's like excuse me paul have you looked at the opinion polls that show 80 fucking percent of americans like the idea of two thousand dollar checks have you noticed general strike trending several times on twitter in the last several weeks or guillotine memes becoming more popular than baby yoda pictures yeah, I mean, it's like, this is weasel word, uh, word bullshit. 
And that's all this is. That's what decor, uh, that's part of what decorum is, is you're allowed to use as many bullshit weasel words to say what you really mean. Which is, you fuck know, you. In, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you got mine. Yeah. It's all and, him and his fucking brunch crowd cares about. Yeah. Because it's like, as far as he's concerned, well, you know, the people who can only access a stimulus check or you're disabled, in which case, fuck them. Or, um, unemployable, in which case, fuck them too. Or coming out of school, because hey, guess what? Graduates don't get unemployment. It doesn't matter if the economy's dog shit. Yeah, yeah. If you've graduated or you've taken an, an involuntary uh, gap year, like I have, you're not getting employment. And you're not getting unemployment either, because you're not employed. You're going to school. Or you were. Yeah. Because fuck you for doing the thing they said you're supposed to do. To be employable. Yeah. I mean, it's like... Nobody is going to hire someone with half a computer science degree. Nobody's gonna hire a graduate for... You know, whatever God's forsaken... Because they'll, they'll find some de- utter desperate undergrad to do it, is the thing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We need this shit so you don't have to. And, oh boy, it's a lot of shit this week. Oh, yeah. Shit that really begs the question of why the fuck Paul Krugman not only has a job, but is the, like, expert in income inequality at the new school. Yeah, how how Richard but he like day without punching his lights out. I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> but he said something nasty about austerity once. Isn't that good enough? And it's like that was 2010. You gotta step up your game. Yeah, especially when you're shitting down everyone's neck like this. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. gets us to our top item. Oh, yes. Somehow, <sighs> in spite of the, the real economy's dog shit, that real unemployment is probably the worst it's ever been in American history. Mm-hmm. In spite of that, you know... People are making gingerbread men guillotines to pass the time. Yes. The stock market is at an all-time high, somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though it did have a dip this morning. But, you know, that's just a small correction. Things will be back to normal soon. Um, We'll just, you know, take more money from retail investor suckers. I mean, that's that's how it works now. I mean, (laughs) that's how it works now. Yep. That's all there is to it, folks. 
And yeah. This is rich people going, hey, things are feeling great. We're feeling great. Let's like make some more of that Wall Street bullshit money rain. Mm-hmm. Even though everybody's at this point is like, how the hell is this even working? Like we hit a record um, on like New Year's Eve, um, thirty thousand seven hundred something, and we had a fall off this Monday because you know things are kind of going to shit. Investors are getting jittery about the um, the runoffs. Um, the The chicken bones have uh, fallen in a weird position, and we just don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's, you know, that's the big one, I guess. Because, oh boy, <laughs> we got a lot of other ones to go down. Because even though 2020's over, 2020's uh, effects are still with us and only just yeah. starting to unfold. Just because the calendar rolled over doesn't mean it's gone. Mm-hmm. Which gets us to uh, the really fun part. Yeah. <sighs> it is so, now 2016, part six. <laughs> where to begin? It's there's just so much to go down that's happening with labor and direct action. I guess we can start with just some of the like things that need a short explanation before we get into the really long ones. Mm-hmm. So, um, first up is Pelosi and Mish's houses got tagged because where's our money, bitch? Yeah, absolutely based shit. Gotta say. Yeah. Like, the Mitch one was, where's my money, Mitch? And the Pelosi one was, like, we want everything. And there was what may or may not have been fake blood and may or may not have been a pig's head. Mm-hmm. And, like... <laughs> like, I think... And ignore all the dumbasses who are like, oh, it's an op. I mean... Bullshit. That's just bullshit. Like, if it was an op, it would have been top of the fold at CNN and Fox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would have made hay out of it instead of... Yeah. Like, trying to pretend it didn't happen. And, like, people are acting like, Oh, well, you know, the the pain uh, and the brick just means it doesn't... Uh, Means that obviously it's a knob because they taped it off and, and no no shut up fuck you that's not how it works spray paint doesn't stick that well to really rough surfaces like that there's a reason you can power wash that stuff off oh yeah and speaking of reasons for people to start tagging up houses of prominent powerful people uh. Vons and Pavilions, which are two major grocery chains in California, have just announced as of today that under the terms of Proposition 22, the Uber Prop, they have 
fired their delivery drivers, their union drivers, and a whole bunch of other people to replace them with DoorDash, who get no benefits, no protections, no job security. Jesus, fuck. (sighs) I mean, that one wasn't even in there. (laughs) Like, and it's just, what's so fucking evil is they, like, sent this out during the holidays. So, you know, Merry Christmas, we're using Prop 22 to kick you in the teeth. By the way, one of the architects of Prop 22 is on the Biden transition team and under consideration for being the Secretary of Labor. Yeah. Yeah. And Harris helped write the legal strategy for Uber. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is... This is what we have to live with now. These fucking people. They are rewarded. (sighs) Yeah. This shit is just... Yeah. (sighs) Um, Oh yeah, correction. Kamala Harris's brother-in-law was the one who wrote that legal strategy. But hey, you know. Yeah. That's like one degree of separation there. Apologies for getting that slightly wrong, Vice President Harris. It wasn't you that was being the scumbag. It was just the scumbag you sat down at Christmas dinner with. Mm-hmm. Ah, let's see here. Uh, CTU speaks out against the ill-advised um, Chicago public school um, reopening plan. And not only have they called bullshit on this, something like 35 aldermen on the Chicago City Council have signed their letter saying this is goddamn stupid. Because it is. Because mm-hmm. everywhere that schools have reopened during COVID have caused spikes in COVID. And oh, by the way, we now have a more infectious strain running amok. Yeah, we don't we don't know if it's you know, caught on here in the states but i mean how there was a time we weren't sure if covid had caught on in the states like so far there's been two cases reported one in uh colorado and one in new york yeah both people who have not traveled outside of the country in the last six months i mean it's if that's what we're seeing who knows where this shit is and as a reminder folks this is not just the chicago city government and Lori lightfoot once again being fucking awful and evil because i mean again days that end in y but (laughs) this is policy at multiple levels gavin fucking newsom good old kaiser newsom has announced that he wants to push reopening of K-12 through schools and will be offering something like $2 billion to facilitate that. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I've <laughs> seen the state of California's public schools. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and remember, one of the three items on Biden's 100 days for COVID was reopen schools. With what? Mr. I Believe in Science, everybody. Mm-hmm. 
he believes in the word science. He doesn't believe in science, the ontological concept. (laughs) In slightly more cheerful, strange news. I'll go with Um, it. (laughs) So, um... There was a journalist who was interviewing, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, the guy who the, currently runs the Proud Boys. Correo or something like that? Um, Enrique something? Yeah, Enrique Torrio. Yeah, there we go. Um, and halfway through the interview, he had to bail because of police sirens. Um <laughs> while he was, you know, riding around. And he got picked up for burning a flag uh, during, you know, the last event that the Piss Boys had in D.C. Yeah, people were not happy about that. And you gotta remember, the Proud Boys are already getting tagged with, like, the gang designation. Um... Which, you know, that's super controversial. You can do some really evil shit with that, but uh, in this case, I think it's kind of (laughs) warranted. And that leads into our next little bit, which is the National Guard has been deployed in D.C. ahead of the 6th, because there's probably going to be a protest of the the electoral college certification because you know the pence card shit didn't go through um the piss boys were organizing for that oh what a shame (laughs) They're, they're really gonna have fun with the dc guard yeah and apparently the order is is that you know anyone with a gun is going to be rounded up, which like you can't even really have them in DC. Um, DC gun laws are real bullshit, um, but <laughs> um, the piss boys, you know, were allowed to flaunt them last time, and look how that ended. Um, not this time. Not this time. So, you know, There's if you're... a march on Rome. hmm So if you're in, you know, like that Nova DC area, um, and you're heading out, oh, be careful. But, you know, still show up, like... Yeah. Don't let these bastards run around. <sighs> Finally, some good news. Good news. Yeah. I'll take it. Especially good news. This, is, this isn't just I'll take it. good news. This is actually good. Um. Yeah. Um, there... Somebody is organizing a full vertical... Um, Alphabet Workers Union. Alphabet is the parent company of Google and several Google-related enterprises. 
Um, so that's huge. It's really difficult to unionize this kind of workspace. Um, and most of the effort was going to have to be like, you know, between contractors and salaried employees simply because the libertarians were never going to organize this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And they are very butthurt about it on the Orange site. People are yelling at them as well. Um, oh, the Orange site, uh, Hacker News, it is a tech news aggregator um, that is also very horrible because most of these people have Silicon Valley brain. Um, and are also mostly libertarians. Not the cool kind, either. <laughs> Just, you know, libertarian asshats. Mm -hmm. So, that we're seeing this happen, awesome. The fact that they look like they're trying to bridge the gap between W2 and contract workers, more awesome. Like, they... I mean, granted, they have not been able to force an NLRB election, and that also doesn't seem to be their strategy at this point. Um, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not that's a good idea. Um, on one hand, it does kind of light them up as a target, but on the other hand, it also puts a big fat safety vest on them because it's going to be a lot harder for Alphabet to fire them and do the usual union busting shit because they have announced they are a union and they are organizing. Like, it yeah. would be extremely clear-cut retaliation for them to do so. I mean, not that it would necessarily stop them, but now you would have more recourses than bitching about it on your personal blog. Exactly. And, like, as far as, like, the white-collar... Um, people are concerned there are, you know, there's absolutely um, reasons to get in a union. Um, I mean, usually your working conditions are fine. It's all the other stuff. Like, with Amazon and quite a few of the um, larger big co's, you aren't uh, like, Anything you do on your personal time um, is owned by the company. Um, which in basically in a um, in our industry that's, you know, a fail blow to like, you know, professional development and, you know, anything of that nature. Like, you can't even have side projects because um Amazon will just steal them from you. <laughs> or tell you, no. And this represents, like, a big rollback from where things actually were when, like, the software industry first got started, when programmers actually did, once upon a time, get royalties for their code. Yeah. Like, they had direct ownership of their intellectual product. So... Like, there are definitely things to claw back that a union could do. And, 
yes, there's more that this union could potentially be. Whether or not this is the right strategy, that's also debatable. But this yeah. is the first time anyone has succeeded in getting a union at any of the big tech companies. Yeah. I mean, so. Kickstarter did it, um, but they're they're relatively small. They're not a big co. They're just, you know, a pretty successful startup. This is kind of more like <laughs> the workers at Standard Oil have announced they are forming a union and are inviting uh, John D. Rockefeller to eat their entire ass. Yes, yes. That's basically it. So, and yeah, watch this space. Good oh, luck yeah. to them. Oh yeah. I mean this makes me feel a lot better. We need a foothold in these fucking places. And, and, and this it's worth be it. also mentioning. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning, by the way, this appears to be, and granted, this is pending further information. But the fact that they're calling this the Alphabet Workers Union and so far are looking to bridge the gap between contract and W-2 workers suggests they're going for an industrial union strategy and not a craft union strategy, which would be doomed to failure in these circumstances. So, you know, if you happen to be like the schlub who's cleaning the toilets or making the food for Googlers... Maybe you should hit these guys up, too. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot more that makes these companies go than just the programmers. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and to the Alphabet Workers Union people, if some of those folks you wouldn't have considered talking to about unionization come to you, please say yes. Mm. Like, it's good for you. Trust us. Like, if you want to see how craft unionism works badly, go look at how the labor movement is falling on its face in education. And the places where it's not is because they're organizing across those lines. Oh, yeah. So, on to banking and finance. Oh, yeah. Ah, so, where do we start with this? Oh, this is one that's just like, Paul, 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 why do you say the things you do when there's the data that we can grab from fucking Google, and we know that you can get better data than we can, because you have an institution behind you? Yeah. So, okay, what are we talking about? Um, The credit crisis is coming. (laughs) Like, we're not at a 2008 situation yet where the market is about to melt down and go into total freefall. But if you, like, pop the hood on the Federal Reserve's delinquency data and comb through what's been going on with American debt since 2020 started up to the end of quarter three, which the latest data has just come out, things get interesting. Yeah. So, 
I guess we should first start by explaining a bit about how we found this little bit. Um, and we're not saying that, like, everything is about to suddenly come off the rails. Like, this is not a... This is not a short-term worry. This is a medium-long-term worry. But it's it's why people are like, well, the economy isn't functioning, but, you know, the Dow is 30k. Like, what's up with that? And this sheds some light on that. Um... So we basically found out about this little story uh, based on a little uh, Twitter post that just offhand mentioned that credit card debt is falling off a cliff. Um, What's technically being measured here is the total revolving credit owned and securitized that is outstanding in billions of dollars. And for those Um, who aren't, like overdosed on this econ shit like we are Mm -hmm. um to give a very very short rundown there's lots of other sites that explain this pretty well um but for the short version there's two kinds of debt in the world as far as macroeconomics are concerned one is revolving debt which means you have a limit that can be reached but you can also then pay it down and you can take out more off of it basically like a credit card or any other line of credit um, mm-hmm. most people have probably used this at some point or another in their life. If you're living anywhere in the United States or the United Kingdom or the European Union or, you know, anywhere else in the neoliberal world order, really, because that's how you keep up with your wages being flat for the last two decades. Um, mm-hmm. the other kind is what's called non-revolving. And what that means is once the debt's taken out and paid off, it's gone. Yeah. That's like your mortgage, or your car loan, or when your revolving debt goes into collections. Because by definition, then, it's revolving. That's a debt line, basically. Not only has it been written off um, in terms of they're expecting to have to take the L on it and take a bit of a haircut though i'm sure they would gladly take the you know full value plus collection costs um they're basically saying yeah we're probably not gonna be able to collect the entire thing um but we can make their lives miserable and collect most of it um non-revolving credit also, technically, payday lending is not revolving credit. Yup. Because those lines are taken out over a very short term. Um, when the loan matures, you have to pay it off or roll it. Um, that's not a revolving line because you're not getting anything more out of that loan. What's happening is they're generating a new loan, a new line, they're closing out the previous one, and if you eventually default on that, you lose the collateral. And if that difference isn't made up, then uh, 
they also go after you. <laughs> Isn't it grand? <laughs> so what this means broadly is, as we're seeing, non-revolving debt is going up. Revolving yeah. debt is going down. Now, granted, in other economic circumstances, an increase in non-revolving debt and a decrease in revolving debt could mean people are paying down credit cards and buying houses. Yeah, it could be a good indicator. And it... I'm sure that Paul Krugman thinks that what that's what it means. <laughs> but, you know, for those of us who have, you know, been in the dog shit job market or, you know, walked down the street recently. Mm -hmm. I think it would be, you know, safe to say that is not happening, especially not with the weird things going on in the real estate markets and all kinds of other shit in the U S that, you know, I, I don't think we're seeing a wave of home buyings. I, if we were, CNBC, the Wall Street Journal, all the usual suspects would be blowing it out their ass to beat the band. Yeah. And the really interesting part of this is that this inspired me to go and look at what is the charge-off and delinquency rate um, at commercial banks. Um... And like even pay uh, payday loans, they have like a correspondent relationship, um, you know, somewhere along the chain. Like, you know, they're obviously they're doing a really risky product, but you know, you gotta securitize it somewhere. Yeah. So and this is just kind of bad <laughs> if you look at it from a neoliberalism has been able to function by soaking people in debt by basically creating a new system of debt slavery and debt peonage so that it can work and what we're seeing if what we're picking up on this data is anywhere ac near accurate and there's no reason to think it's not and if our conclusions are correct and, you know, the alternative explanations don't really seem to have any persuasive evidence. Yeah. Then that means consumers' ability to borrow is finally becoming exhausted. Yeah. What were... Okay, so let's go through it a bit. Um, as far as the delinqu delinquency rates are going... The first thing we need to note is that we are not at 2008 levels. Things have not gone that insane. Um, however, real estate loans have had a relatively sharp spike um, in delinquencies. We've gone up from a low of 2.34% in residential loans. Um, defaulting, essentially, or being in the delinquent state, uh, to 2.81%. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but you have to remember that the the way this crisis started um, back in 2007, 2006, 
was the default rates were slowly creeping up in the background. And it does not take much movement for things to fall apart. I, I We're not saying everything has fallen apart just yet. What we are saying is that these numbers are really starting to worry me. Because what it's looking like is that we managed to retire all this garbage in just in time for the bottom to fall out of the economy. And when we know that this is an economic system that's only been able to function through a lot of debt, yeah. and the capacity to saddle that debt on consumers appears to be hitting its limit, that's going to be followed unless there's some kind of UBI coming down the pipeline. I know, I know, I need to put the crack pipe down before I say these kind of things. This is like, you know, the American federal government we're talking about here. But, you know, <laughs> unless something like that were to happen, consumer spending is going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. So, as far as residential, uh, as far as real estate is going, um, delinquencies are going up across the board. Um, farmland is holding relatively steady, but it is creeping up slowly. Commercial had a spike from 0.68 in the fourth quarter of 2019 to 1% in the third quarter of 2020. Um, we're seeing similar increases with residential, like I said, from, you know, 2.34 to 2.81. And like I said, not much movement is required to upset things. Consumer loans are trending downwards in terms of delinquency rates, but, um, obviously there's a lot of confounding factors there. Um, how many of these are, you know, successfully resolved? How many of those are being converted into non-revolving credit as a deadline for you? Um, that's an open question, but this isn't good. Um, agricultural loans <laughs> went up 0.2%. Um, leases went up 0.2%. Like, there are delinquencies on leases, and they are climbing from a low of 0.96 in the first quarter of 2018 to 1.46 in the third quarter of 2020. Like, it's not good. Rates are jumping also of delinquencies on single-family residential mortgages. Mm-hmm. Which is really fun. Like, which is also, you know, duh, of course it's going to happen, given circumstances. Of course that's going to happen when you don't extend enough relief, or you don't do something like a mortgage holiday or something, like was proposed and done in other functional countries. Um, oh... <laughs> <laughs> from like at Q1 2020, it was at 2.37%. Now it's up to 2.81 and well, as of Q3 and rising. This is like, we're not quite at that point where everything falls apart, but 
Mm-hmm. We can see the edge from here. Yeah. And the last time um, we were hitting these numbers residentially on the upward trend was the third to fourth quarter of 2007. Um, you might remember 2007. It was like the precursor for the last crisis. <laughs> we're so fucked. <laughs> because it's like it doesn't, it does not take a lot of movement here to send things off the rails. And I don't see Biden fixing this. And we don't even know the the quarter four numbers yet. They haven't been released. Nope. Those are going to be fun. (laughs) Indeed. Which gets us to another place that's having fun called the world of energy. So the New York Times just put out another one of their, you know, sympathy for Hitler pieces. Um, Because, you know, you remember back in 2017 how they were running all these, like, articles about, actually, this alt-right jack wagon who wants to exterminate the Jews likes going to Applebee's. And his wife crochets on weekends kind of bullshit. Well, they just ran one for um, college students who specifically went to school to work in the oil industry who are now coming into 2020 2021 having watched the industry face plant and die and are now going Mm -hmm. well what am i supposed to do yeah and it's like some of these people have transferable skills um but it's all presented in this tone of how could they take this away from us? And it's like, it's oil and gas. Things are volatile. Don't you know that? <laughs> and on top of that, like, we're also, like, I can have sympathy and actually have some sympathy for like you know if you're talking like roughnecks in west texas or louisiana or something um and their dads or uncles or cousins or whatever were working out on oil rigs who are getting fucked by the oil industry having no flexibility and uh being soaked on stupid fracking debt you know, I, I kind of have some sympathy there because that probably was your only option for not having to do food stamps and Walmart the rest of your life. Um, yeah. I mean, especially since, you know, that kind of work is brutal on you. You may not even be able to, you know, be Walmart's bitch for seven twenty-five. Yeah. Like, it's the choices of Walmart roughnecking or the military... Okay, you know, I can kind of accept that you did what you had to do. We've all been in that, or at least all of us not named Paul Krugman, have been in that place of having to make a survival-based job choice. And those suck. These are people who are like, I'm going to go to the Colorado School of Mines so I can pull down 150k working for an industry that, you know, if they're graduating college now, 
they went to school after Deepwater Horizon happened. They went to school after multiple outlets, including Scientific American, had widely reported that since the 1970s, the oil industry has not only known that carbon emissions were contributing to global warming, but they then proceeded to spend, like in the case of ExxonMobil, a trillion fucking dollars to hide that over mm-hmm. the course of the years that followed. One of them was like, I know the industry is going to collapse, but there's still a good 20 years in it, and we're always going to need petroleum for some things. So, um, perhaps the leopards won't eat my face, but oh my god, they're eating my face. Like, y- y'all have just... had several, like, y- you motherfuckers have had several Hans Are We the Baddies moments, so. Yeah. Get fucked. Especially you the people who are, this. like, <laughs> who are training for, like, management in oil and gas. Like, you're a fucking moron if you do that. Like, the world has need of geologists, of, you know, environmental scientists, of people like that, of, hell, even petroleum engineering, which is a subset of chemical engineering. It's it's a whole discipline. Um, we're probably still going to need it because that shit ain't easy. Um, like, even the, like, people who specialize in the drilling process itself might be able to cross-train thanks to some new discoveries in the field of geothermal power, where they're like, oh shit, we figured out a way to do this that doesn't depend on naturally occurring vents. Yeah. But for you, like, you know, oil version MBAs? <laughs> I mean, it's like... Yeah, you realize that being a lawyer is a stupid fucking idea, but then you go into oil and gas. Like, I'm sorry, you're still a dumbass. You had options, and you went, I am going to choose the closest thing the 21st century has to the slave trade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's... You you have no socially useful skills except ordering around roughnecks. <laughs> or ordering around people who order around that roughnecks. We don't need those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> Google the article if you want to have, like, a nice, long sip of some just vintage white wine, because... Oh, it goes down damn. so nice. <laughs> Especially because Denmark has just announced um, as of like tail end of this year, they are ending further exploration for oil in the North Sea, which is something they've had a slice of since North Sea oil drilling was a thing. Denmark has now said, yeah, actually, we're going to keep going with our awesome wind power boom that's going on over here and get the hell out of this while the getting's good. Yeah. So basically, um, what's happened is specifically they're not, uh, they're no longer offering new licenses in the North Sea, um, in their territorial waters. 
and they're phasing out production altogether by 2050. Um, so there was going to be like an eighth round of um, licensing. There was going to be future exploration. All of that is basically being abandoned. Um, existing leaseholders will still be allowed to um, operate, but nothing new. Which is, you know, that's kind of the first step to um, shutting down production. Um, so, exciting times. Yep. I'm sure the New York Times is going to find an excuse to interview these fucks and make it a top-of-the-fold feature. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fucks who deserve no sympathy... <laughs> ah, it's a time for trade and logistics then. <laughs> so the Brexit deal is oh, a thing on December 24th in a total like last minute like 30 seconds to midnight move of the sort that would have you throwing your fucking empty beer cans at the television if they pulled that crap on any show the United Kingdom and the European Union have reached a barely tolerable deal on Brexit. Mm-hmm. And what is it the British Empire's remnants have won? Yeah, they've taken back control. Um, uh-huh. Of um of of wow. Damn, Something. Really coming up blank there. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Let's see. What do they get? Well, they are going to get more control over their lucrative 500 million. Yes, million, not billion. It's been a while since we've used the word million on this show. Um, (laughs) Dollar fishing industry. Although that comes with the caveat of the European Union is perfectly free to bar British uh, fishing boats from their waters. Um... They get tariff-free trade with the European Union, but if at any point um, EU regulations diverge from British regulations and the British don't do anything to adjust that, you know, gap, then the EU will levy fines and sanctions against Britain for creating an unfair competitive environment. Um, (laughs) British... uh, Importers and exporters now get to fill out another 215 million new customs forms a year just to trade with the block that was 40 fucking percent of their exports. Mm-hmm. And to meet the new requirements, they are outsourcing it to Eastern Europe and India. Taking that control! <laughs> They couldn't hire enough people. They didn't allocate enough resources to hire the customs officials to deal with this shit. They are, of course, building giant parking lots in Kent by the port of Dover um, for handling, you know, the movement of trucks and goods and shit coming from the European Union. But 
there's all kinds of reports and things like thousand lorry long lines stacking Mm -hmm. up at the port of dover that suggest that they really haven't done anywhere near enough um Mm -hmm. we should mention the rejection rates oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) That, that shit's fun so to walk through it very quickly um in june of 2020 to set the stage um a given contract to transport freight from france to the uk had a rejection rate of 40 percent that means that 40 percent of the time one driver will refuse to haul the load um and another driver is found for it um or the contract is abandoned um at that point it, you know, from germany to uk that's 30 percent this is as of june 29th of 2020 the figure um as of the 21st of last month is 288 percent for france 213 percent for Germany. So, in France, at least two drivers, and usually three, are rejecting these contracts because there are no facilities at Dover for these long customs lines. There isn't even a place to piss. Um, this is not, uh, this is not America where people drive around sleeper caps. Most, um, most people who are hauling do not have onboard facilities for things like this. And even then. A need, like it's worth mentioning, this is because there is no need for these kind of facilities. Like, if you're doing trucking anywhere in Europe, Mm -hmm. you probably are, like, your definition of long haul is probably something like Belgium to, Italy, which in the United States would be San Francisco to Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, the only place where you really see that sort of super long-haul route is, you know, something like a freight contract from Portugal to to Poland, and I am not sure why you would even do that. They have working trains. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there just isn't really the need for this kind of thing. Yeah, so, so it's like... <laughs> so for, like, German loads, they are rejecting twice, at least, and sometimes three times before they get a driver. And... For French deliveries, it's even worse. It's closer to three or four before they they get someone. Um, and frankly, I in their boots, I probably would. I mean, I don't want to oh, wait. Yeah. I don't want to wait in fucking Kent um, just to pee before I can, you know, unload my truck. Like who? 
Who the fuck wants to do that? Even though they get their tariff-free trade, no one's gonna fucking move it. Or like, there's even like been reports of like logistics companies in the European Union who are outright saying, "Yeah, the new taxes and fees that are coming with this, it's just mm-hmm. not worth our time and money to take these contracts bound for the UK." Yeah, and like, if forwarders stop taking on these contracts, that means like if. All the time, it's gonna be like, well, you know, we can't get drivers to actually, you know, want to put up with this bullshit. Um, we don't want to, ha- they don't want to go to the rainy fascism island, um, and pee their seat. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just gonna start refusing to, um, do any contracts with the UK altogether. And mm-hmm. that's a very dangerous situation for the UK to be in. Now, for now, things are holding up. Freight is moving. It's just not moving as fast as it needs to. But... There is, however, one exception to all this. There mm-hmm. is one exception to this big, gloomy cloud. And that exception is called Northern Ireland. <laughs> oh, yes. As per the withdrawal agreement... All of Northern Ireland is staying in the single market and the customs union. They will be remaining in the single market and the customs union because one of the terms of the Good Friday Agreements was there cannot be a hard border in the Emerald Isle. Mm-hmm. And this is the way they figured out how to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> Taking back control. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Brexit math is 26 plus 6 equals 1. Yeah. And it's... <sighs> like, yeah, basically... The, re- uh, the reason we picked up on this was, well, um, on that previous story was, there was a letter sent by uh, the UK Logistics uh, Trade Group um, who... They were basically complaining that there weren't adequate toilet facilities or hot food at the port of Dover because this has traditionally not been a problem. Like, normally, you know, if they're able to handle the volume because single market, you just go on through. Because no one has to stop and fill out customs forms. Yeah, you just take the load to wherever the distribution point is, disconnect, go back home, and a, you know, a local truck hauls um, the load the rest of the way. Or, you know, a local train. And now that's not happening, unless you're in Northern Ireland. (sighs) And there's no fucking way that Ireland much less Northern Ireland, is going to be able to take up the slack. And it certainly would be just a ridiculous fantasy to think that the United Kingdom can reconfigure all their trade with the EU to go through Belfast. <laughs> like, I'm sure someone in Boris Johnson's cabinet is proposing that as a serious solution. Well, but, I mean, the know, reason that doesn't work is because... The freight goes through the channel. 
like that all of that truck haul freight goes through the channel and that's the bottleneck and that bottleneck used to be relieved by well we can you know drop our load at our logistics point and go home Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was so impossible. <laughs> oh my god. It's just, yeah. Amazing. It's, yeah. And on the flip side, Africa has officially ratified and now is putting forward the African Continental Trade Agreement, which mm-hmm. is now to top the... Uh, previous uh chinese sponsored uh trade agreement which we celebrated as the end of the washington consensus has now been taught by africa's largest trade zone on the planet yeah which will be great for encouraging internal trade on the continent which is something that's been a serious problem since like uh, the scramble for africa um what with all that you know colonialism and export oriented at gunpoint planning um Mm -hmm. and it also means guess what those raw materials that everyone has to buy from africa particularly things like cobalt and those other fun metals that are necessary for modern electronics Mm -hmm. that's going to get a little more expensive and with everything running on the tight margins that it is that little more is gonna ripple oh yeah like, they have options now. Or at least yep. the potential for such. That's... And they can trade with each other much more freely now. And do things to encourage development that is actually good for people living in Africa. So, you know, all that stuff about Biden bringing things back to normal and America getting back on top... I mean, it is the African century. Yep. After the Chinese one, of course. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our last word. <laughs> Which I guess this time we can keep it pretty short, because, well, welcome to 2021, people. Yeah. All that shit that happened in 2020 is only just getting started. Yeah. I mean, the moment of 2020, it has passed. But if everything holds or gets worse, I mean, it'll be back. Yep. It's only going to get worse from here, folks. Because guess what? <sighs> the All this shit that's happened has only just begun. Yeah. It's only going to accelerate. Because those things called economic multipliers that make things go up rapidly in virtuous cycles when things are going good also make things face plant even faster yeah when things go bad like there was a reason we were more than a little freaked by what we saw in the credit crunch part of our segment 
I mean, that was just... I mean... Short term, I know that things will be fine. Because, you know, uh, the sky hasn't fallen yet. But... We can see the cracks. Yeah. And there's nothing anyone can really do to stop it. Mm -hmm. Assuming they even recognize it's happening, which, you know, I'm kind of personally leaning more and more in the direction of they really just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think they understand the nature or the depth of the crisis. I think a lot of the incoming administration genuinely believes that now that the dragon is slain, um Orange Man is bad, but Orange Man is home gone and everything will be fine again. Um now that we've removed the perfidious puppet of Russia. Um and, like, that's just... That's a fantasy. It's not even a good one. It's just not happening, folks. Yeah. Oh, all those things that have started... Let's just say... Think of 2020 as the causes of section of the future history books... Mm-hmm. You know, the part that comes before the part where the maps go squiggly and get angry lines everywhere, and then you start seeing big numbers that usually come next to things like death tolls and property destruction um, and wealth lost and all those other things. Yeah. Yeah. Someday when you're in a militia camp waiting to, you know, attack the... Um, the South Bend Police Section of the United Order of Police slash Proud Boys. Remember this moment and remember us. <laughs> oh, and toss a fiver in our Patreon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're doing, and we're planning on doing some more episodes. We're probably going to do a urine review soon. Um, look forward to that. We'll also, we'll also do a much more lengthy Brexit episode. If you're a Tory, I recommend skipping it. I mean, who knows? Maybe you're that Tory who is looking for a socialist dom or something. I mean, I'm not going to kink shame. Um. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You think that's it? Yep. This has been Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Good luck out there. Bye, everyone.